Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Apothecary Podcast. I'm glad to have you here. This is being recorded the day after Valentine's Day, so it is February 15th. And I intentionally chose to do this the day after this very loaded holiday because today might be a more honest appreciation, let's say, of where you are at with the concept of love. Yesterday, maybe you were hopeful. (laughs) And today, maybe you are dashed or um, annoyed or joyful. But I want to check in with that because it's a provocative subject. And in fact, a a week ago in my newsletter, I talked about the importance of self-love and self-love always being a good idea, uh, whether external examples and celebrations of love um, are clamoring for our attention, that self-love is a precious investment. And if you remember a few episodes back, my friend John, who I interviewed about Iron John, he reached out and we had an email conversation about these ideas of love and definitions of love and definitions of self-love. And so I want to talk about that today because it's a really important idea about how we're defining it. And and arguably, you can't define love, but we're going to sort of tackle that all-important topic today. So the format actually today will be slightly different than we're used to because I typically end with music, and I also will today, but I'm also going to have music play intermittently as we talk about love because I want it to be an invitation to contemplate your relationship to this beautiful, grand idea, this verb, this purpose that we're here to experience, love. But first, we will touch on the moon. We are now in the cycle of the hunger moon. And several years ago, when I released my poetry book, about the cycles and phases of the moon. I began with the hunger moon because depending on the calendar year, the hunger moon is always seen in its totality early in the year. So sometimes the wolf moon, which is the one just prior to this one, is straddling days in December and January. Sometimes it's fully in January, but It just depends on the calendar. The hunger moon is always fully in the new year. And in fact, it will be full tomorrow. So I hope you enjoy that. I hope you are enjoying the growing light and just bathing in that. We will talk about the hunger moon soon. But I wanted to finish my thought on the wolf moon because that's how I ended my poetry book And I think there's some important ideas that are going to travel with what we're talking about today as well. So allow me to read that ending thought with you. Again, this was regarding the wolf moon. And this is what I wrote. And now the beginning. Our journey embracing the lunar arc culminates in the dark of the wolf moon. We have shared the cycles of symbolic natural wonder 
I hope connecting with the deeper rhythms, the language just underneath the surface of things has been nourishing. I'm on to something new, well, ancient and new. With the wolf moon's blessing, I suddenly find myself on the trail of rediscovering a sense of play. I must have known this once upon a time. It seems familiar. It feels like home. But the memories are a bit hazy. They call to me from just ahead. They echo out into midnight, darting just out of sight as morning breaks. The wolves speak of these memories in their cries and yips and joyful howls. I wish you well, friend. We have shared space, warmth, and inner vision. With gratitude, may Luna continue to guide your way as only she can. Onward. So that idea of onward is how I want to begin today, wherever we are with the concept of love, onward. If we are beginning to feel the warmth stirring, just like it peaks out a bit on Groundhog's Day or in bulk or however you might celebrate the beginning of February, there is that moment where we're starting to sense in the Northern Hemisphere that spring will return. It's not here yet, but it will return. So what is beginning to pull toward warmth in us? Can we reimagine and align with this spark, this growing ember that will gather and will swell the bud and will bloom in the months ahead? and will dance and come alive around May and June and really come into celebration. Something in your life is on that trajectory. Can you trust that? It seems in my own life sometimes that I've identified so long with winter, whatever winter I may have been going through, that it's easy to remain attached to that identity. And we've got to let that go. For it's not in keeping with this lunar rhythm, these seasonal cycles, to hold on to any identity too long. We go through all the phases, and the trick is letting that identity go, feeling it, enjoying it, releasing it, and seeing what else is there. And when I think of this idea of self-love, Self-love for me is coming into ever-deepening relationship with my authentic self. So I know that term self-love can sort of go in a narcissistic way when you're only thinking about yourself. And there's a lot of pop culture right now about self-care and and mental health. and, And those are all good conversations. But sometimes like it gets to be too much, even for somebody who cares about these topics and is exploring them in, her, in my own work, um, it seems like the cultural clamor of them is a little <laughs> indulgent. And of course, I don't mean that good mental health isn't really important and all the rest of it, but how I'm de- determining and defining that for myself is who I was before any parental or cultural programming, can I allow that part of me to continue to bloom? 
That's what I'm talking about. So yes, good mental health is important. Um, hot baths, you know, a spa day, all, all those things are important. Yes, they are. But I'm not talking about that when I refer to self-love. I am talking about the experience of who I am in my most raw and natural state. No filters. Who I was born to be without any layers of having to adjust to family or life situations so that I could experience love. And this is not an indictment of any of my family situations. It's the journey we all have. We're all born into some kind of situation where we pivot and adjust and contort ourselves in one way or another so that we can receive love. Maybe we were born into a family where we had to really clamor and get attention. Maybe we were born into a family where um, our silence is what was appreciated. So we start from really early on packaging ourselves into ways so that we can experience external love. I know you know this, but I can't repeat it enough to myself sometimes because I'll find that I'm still slipping into one of those old, old, old gears at the most inopportune times or amazing times, and I, but I'm catching it now. And it, it's so essential and important to catch it because I'm like, is that the real me or was that the conditioned me? Because if I'm sensing it's the conditioned me who you know, try to be perfect or uh, try harder or study more or work harder, I'm dropping it. I'm so over it. That is not who I was born to be. I was born to be very playful. I was born to know that creativity is a natural state and that I'm good at it. I was born to know that resources naturally flow to me and that it's just my job to stay out of their way because they're showing up all the time. These are the things I'm discovering about my authentic self and that may or may not be how I was programmed to be. So that distinction is what I'm referring to when I'm talking about self-love. It's actually more of an appreciation of experiencing who I was before all of those layers started to add up into the person I was experiencing myself to be in the world. So that's what I'm talking about. And some of the passages um, that I want to share with you today are going to touch on those ideas because everybody's going through that. And we get into these mirror situations, whether it's with a partner or a crush or a child or a parent or a beloved friend, where we're getting this information back to us about where we are, I would argue, in the process of discovering that authentic part of us who existed pre-filter preconditioned experience. We're getting information back in the filters of other people's faces, in the experience of others loving us. Um, and that, if we can frame that courageously, because it does take some courage to not be triggered, but to see this as information coming back at us about where we are 
and allowing our authentic self to be at home in in our experience. Those are the passages I want to share with you today. And and we're going to touch on that idea of love because just like my friend John said, so much that is parading about as quote unquote love right now in the culture and on the Hallmark holiday is projection, right? It's it's trying to go externally and get something that we don't think we have. And we want it in a particular form or in a particular love language. All of those things are important on one level. I'm not here to say having a beautiful card, having flowers, having somebody speak your love language, um, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, all that stuff. It all has its place. Personality type theory, all of those things really help us communicate and understand and not take things personally. I, I think they all have value. They all have their place in the trajectory of learning about who we are and who others are and, and not taking things too personally. However, at the end of the day, and this is where I'm just living from my own experience now. I'm like, okay, it's about me letting myself shine. And any images or mirrors that I'm getting back is actually direct communication about that process. It has nothing to do fundamentally with my spouse or my child or my colleague or whomever. It is a mirror to me. And that is so freeing to look at love that way because we're getting to experience ourselves come alive. And in this moment of mid-February, thinking of this whole new year of 2022 ahead of us, we're seasonally and cyclically and in a lunar cycle at just the perfect moment to let this gather. So join me today as we read passages, as we listen to music, as we contemplate, am I looking for something externally to fill a void within myself? Or am I seeing that as a mirror and allowing myself to come alive? This is the important work of today. And so I will touch on the full moon of the hunger moon since that is tomorrow. And I wrote, stand in the searing light, the full hunger moon. Enter the paradox, fully lean, the thick-set scarcity, primal core. Turn toward that which cannot be born with nothing but the knowing that it matters to do so. Speak the spell. See with wide eyes the creative wreckage, the hollow marriage, the icy loneliness. Trek where the demons lead. Learn their wail, know their sorcery. I am my own jailer. It stings to catch this on the wind. Light the inner landscape. Seize the key. 
the hunger moon is a lean time. The warmth of spring is still a ways off. So it's the perfect moment to ask ourselves where we're at because nature is on our side cyclically. Things want to come to fruition very soon. So let's be sure that we're birthing something that we really feel excited about and feel like we're taking responsibility for. And I don't mean that in a heavy or laden way. I mean that in a consciousness way, in employing the disciplines of watching our mind and taking responsibility for all of the rabbit trails it wants to go down and just being with that and seeing it and and calling it out gently but effectively and with discernment. Like, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to bash myself. I'm not going to look externally for things that are trying to actually awaken within me. I'm going to take responsibility for that. I'm not going to be seduced because this is the way we can prepare the soil for the things we want to experience in the coming weeks and months. So join me as we contemplate these beautiful words about love and where we are at with this all-important awakening. So the first passage I'd like to share with you comes from Khalil Gibran's The Prophet. Quote, Then said Almitra, Speak to us of love. And he raised his head and looked upon the people, and there fell a stillness upon them. And with a great voice he said, When love beckons to you, follow him. Though his ways are hard and steep, and when his wings enfold you, yield to him. Though the sword hidden among his pinions may wound you, and when he speaks to you, believe in him, though his voice may shatter your dreams as the north wind lays waste the garden. For even as love crowns you, so shall he crucify you. Even as he is for your growth, so is he for your pruning. Even as he ascends to your height and caresses your tenderest branches that quiver in the sun, so shall he descend to your roots and shake them in their clinging to the earth. Like sheaves of corn, he gathers you unto himself. He threshes you to make you naked. He sifts you to free you from your husks. He grinds you to whiteness. He kneads you until you are pliant. And then he assigns you to his sacred fire, that you may become sacred bread for God's sacred feast. All these things shall love do to you, so that you may know the secrets of your heart, and in that knowledge become a fragment of life's heart. But if in your fear you would seek only love's peace and love's pleasure, then it is better for you that you cover your nakedness and pass out of love's threshing floor into the seasonless world where you shall laugh 
but not all of your laughter, and weep, but not all of your tears. Love gives not but itself and takes not but from itself. Love possesses not, nor would it be possessed, for love is sufficient unto love. When you love, you should not say, God is in my heart, but rather, I am in the heart of God. And think not you can direct the course of love, for love, if it finds you worthy, directs your course. Love has no other desire but to fulfill itself. But if you love and must needs have desires, let these be your desires, to melt and be like a running brook that sings its melody to the night, to know the pain of too much tenderness, to be wounded by your own understanding of love, and to bleed willingly and joyfully, to wake at dawn with your winged heart and give thanks for another day of loving, to rest at the noon hour and meditate love's ecstasy, to return home at eventide with gratitude, and then to sleep with a prayer for the beloved in your heart and a song of praise upon your lips. How does that feel to hear those words? To relate to the mirror of your authentic self rising in the language of love. And here now is a passage from Eric Fromm from The Art of Loving. And I thank my friend John for sharing this with us. Quote, Love is not primarily a relationship to a specific person. It is an attitude, an orientation of character, which determines the relatedness of a person to the world as a whole, not toward one object of love, If a person loves only one other person and is indifferent to the rest of his fellow men, his love is not love, but a symbiotic attachment or an enlarged egotism. Yet, 
Most people believe that love is constituted by the object, not by the faculty. In fact, they even believe that it is proof of the intensity of their love when they do not love anybody except the loved person. Because one does not see that love is an activity, a power of the soul. One believes that all that is necessary to find is the right object and that everything goes by itself afterward. This attitude can be compared to that of a man who wants to paint, but who, instead of learning the art, claims that he has just to wait for the right object and that he will paint beautifully when he finds it. That's really powerful. A power of the soul. This is a superpower that we have when we relate to love properly. And it has nothing to do with the object. That's the mark of wisdom, isn't it? As we, as we grow and mature into who we are, realizing it has nothing to do with the object. And yet, paradoxically, and so victoriously, the object will transform in the most extraordinary ways when we enter the activity of love from that superpower perspective. In other words, when we come into full acknowledgement and inner authority regarding love and what is awakening within us, and when we are not distracted by what is going on externally in any way, when we can look at the mirrors that are before us and just say, yes, yes, that is happening, that is presenting itself, that face is, is showing itself, and not be swayed from our own authority and our own brilliance, then the object can transform into something so beautiful. It flowers in love's presence. And we hear this about the masters, don't we? That love and people and situations miraculously changed and flowered in the presence of that kind of a gaze. The gaze where you stay so rooted in your divine authenticity and are not distracted by external appearances because you're just seeing it as the mirror. You're seeing it as something to not react to. You're identifying with yourself, not the projection. You're identifying with your authenticity, that which continues to evolve and awaken in us until death. This is an ongoing process. This is something that will be happening on the day we leave earth because it's ever unfolding and it's ever new. It is the eternal spring. When we're identifying with that part of our nature, it's powerful, it's abundant, it's the spring of life itself. And we're able to just see the dance and the play externally as images going by on a screen, then in that kind of atmosphere, love 
the power of love, the mystery of love, can change things that we never could by reading all the books, by going to all the seminars, by learning all the conscious communication and and whatever you know is on the best seller lists of the day again those things have their purpose i'm not dismissing them in any way because they were important signposts along the way but ultimately we have to surrender to this experience of our authentic nature of love itself sort of welling up through us, changing us, transforming us. And with that comes this humor and this sweetness and this ability to laugh at the absurdity of of things that are happening in, in the external world, but not be hooked by them in any way. And that's freedom. That's an amazing, that's an amazing freedom that I'm just starting to taste. You can see the absurdity and it's okay. You know, it is what it is because I continue to root. As Gibran says, love forces us to go into those roots. I continue to root in the place that truly has constancy. So where are you at with those ideas right now? Have you fallen into the trap? of wanting to be seen by the other. I know I have in the past, and then I realized what a trap that was. I need to see myself. I need to see this authentic woman, this authentic version of love rising in me because she is unstoppable. And the amazing thing is, is that when she does arrive, when she does fill the space of the room, I am seen. Where are you with that idea? Do you have the courage to reclaim your power that love is not an external pursuit whatsoever and finally here's a passage written by Mark Groves the next level of love and relationship requires us to go to the next level too it requires that who we were as a couple and as individuals dies with the container of the old relationship This doesn't have to mean the dissolution of the partnership, but it does require the death of old patterns. New, liberated love cannot be born from and created from old and imprisoning behaviors. If you're not willing to let go of a pattern and enter the brave space of uncertainty and expansion, that's okay. And it may also be because you and or your partner are not both all in on taking that deeper dive. Our reluctance can sometimes be because of our lack of trust and partner to be there when things get hard. Expansions relationally require us to go to our growth edge. For one partner that is normally the fixer and chaser, it requires learning how to stop choosing the relationship over yourself. It requires sitting in the discomfort 
of recognizing you are already whole without an other. It's actually in the sitting and not chasing that your wholeness is realized. For the other partner, who usually runs from love, depth, connection, your growth edge is to learn to stay, to not choose yourself over connection always at all costs, to stop sabotaging love because you don't trust it. This isn't the denial that love has hurt you, but rather to learn to trust yourself in love, to learn that your wholeness doesn't have to dissolve into another. Both people are learning to orient themselves to the truth first, then towards the relationship, to build a self and a relationship. Your relationship becomes a container that celebrates both of you as individuals, and the container expands, as both of you do. This is what it means to be both free and in love. Wherever you are in your journey with love, I wish you well, and thank you for traveling with me and encouraging me. And we'll just keep opening, we'll just keep opening our hearts and disciplining our minds and smiling and welcoming the chaos and the wonder all together. Until next time, take good care.
Hi, everyone. If you're enjoying this podcast, remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And if my work is nourishing your heart and imagination, consider supporting the Apothecary Podcast. Just follow the links to make a contribution. And for the full scope of my projects and offerings, including my weekly newsletter, visit lorigreen.net.